0: We're thankful for everyone's presence. I know I'm certain that we've got some uh, leftover guests here from the Thanksgiving holiday. Well, maybe I shouldn't have used the term "leftover." That that doesn't sound very appealing. Yikes! Sometimes words just sort of slip out, and you know you wish you'd picked a different one. But I didn't mean anything demeaning by that. We're grateful that you're still in town and that you're here, and uh, we're thankful that we can all be together. And I hope and pray that whoever you may be, when you leave this place, you will leave blessed, encouraged, uplifted, challenged, and you'll be able to say to yourself, as we heard in the prayer earlier, it was good to be in the house of the Lord today. Now here lately, I confess to you that I have been on a bit of a classic country music kick. I've been listening to it more. Uh, don't ask my wife about it because her eyes will probably roll so far into the back of her head that they'll never come back forward again. I'm certain that she's tired of hearing uh, Loretta Lynn and Johnny Cash playing around the house, but you know, eventually I'll move on to the next genre. But what I and I don't know if it's because we recently went up, you know, to the Grand Ole Opry at the Ryman, and I just you know kind of got the bug to listen to to the greats. But um, what I have learned. In my recent obsession with classic country music, what I have discovered is is that country music does heartache and loneliness better than any other genre. Let me give you some examples. The Hank Williams classic, I'm So Lonesome I Could Cry. That song would be heartbreaking if the words were about sunshine and bluebirds and butterflies just to listen to that man's voice sing that melody. But here's a little sampling. Hear that lonesome whippoorwill, he sounds too blue to fly. That means he's lost the will to live. I'm so lonesome, I could cry. No other genre of music does heartache and and loneliness like country music. Here are some other examples. I fall to pieces, Patsy Cline. Blue eyes crying in the rain, Willie Nelson. Don't it make my brown eyes blue, Crystal Gale. And here's another. He stopped loving her today by George Jones. That song, if you don't know, is about a man who pined after the love of his life and he only stopped loving her on the day that he died. That is a that's a punch to the gut, that song. I dare you. <laughs> I dare you to find me a sadder a lonelier song than that one. But you know, the experience of loneliness isn't just unique to people in country music songs, is it? I think about these words that I read from a Christian writer named uh, Wesley Hill. He's a single man. He's around my age in his 30s. He He tells this story. He says, late in the evening on an Easter Sunday, I slammed the car door shut. I took a deep breath to try to calm the churning in my stomach. Would I throw up? I wondered. And I stuck the keys in the ignition. Listen to what he says. I felt totally eerily alone. Isolated. Unloved. Unknown. And he says that all of this, this came after a Sunday lunch with several dear friends, leading a Bible study in a group that afternoon, and attending a party with some more Christian friends that evening. And he writes, how strange it is, I thought as I backed out of their driveway, that I just spent the whole day with people, some of whom I would count among my best friends in the world, and I still feel so desperately, utterly helplessly lonely. Have you been there? Can you relate? Do you know the feeling? This loneliness that he speaks of? And, and it matters not if you are surrounded by people constantly as he was on that day. Loneliness can strike at any time. It can be felt in the closest of friendships, in the tightest of family bonds, in the warmest of marriages, maybe you even felt lonely this past week as you gathered with dear, beloved friends and family members. Maybe even that feeling of loneliness struck you as you surrounded the table over that feast, that grand meal with people that you love, with people you've known your entire life. Maybe even in that moment, you felt you felt lonely now we christians we 've got a different perspective on everything in life based on our knowledge of God as He has revealed it to us in our wo- in His word, and we can look at issues from a different perspective than those who are outside the faith and so as it pertains to loneliness, we Christians know that it 's not just about relationships with others it's not just a social phenomenon we know that this experience this feeling of loneliness is rooted in something much deeper and i want you to listen to some words from c.s lewis from a book called uh, the weight of glory he says the sense that in this universe we are treated as strangers the longing to be acknowledged to meet with some response To bridge some chasm is part of our inconsolable secret. He says, we have a longing to be reunited with something in the universe from which we now feel cut off. This is true for all people. Uh, This is inherent in in the heart and soul of every man and woman that walks the face of this earth. He says, we long to be on the inside. I love this image. To be on the inside of some door which we have always seen from the outside. He calls this feeling, this loneliness, that old ache. And we all can relate. We've all felt it. Even if we can't put language to it as beautifully and as eloquently as someone like C.S. Lewis or the writer that we read earlier, we know that it exists. We sense it at the core of our being. We feel it, that old ache. And we Christians know that that loneliness, that old ache, as C.S. Lewis says, arises From estrangement from God. Distance from the almighty God. From the divine being who created heaven and earth. That's what loneliness, that's where it comes from. It arises from that reality. The fact that we live in a broken world and we have a broken relationship with our God. And the Bible speaks to this. It attests to this in places like Ephesians chapter 2. At verse 12, where Paul says to the predominantly non Jewish Gentile church at Ephesus, he says, You were separated at that time from Christ, you were alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and you were strangers to the covenants of promise. You were disconnected from the person that God uses to bring about redemption for all humanity, you were not part of the special chosen people of God, and you were disconnected from the promises that God has for those whom He loves and He is saved. So you had no hope, and you were without God in the world. You were estranged. You were separated. And that's why you felt so lonely. That's where that old ache, this is the source. This is the root of it all. It's why you feel that way so often. And separation from God brings about distance in our relationships with others. It's all connected. The distance that we experience from God, it affects our relationships with those around us, even those to whom we are closest, even our closest friends and family members, even our spouses. And we also know as Christians that the cause of that old ache, we know what it is, that three-letter word that we talk about every time we get together, or we should, sin. It's sin that estranges us from God and causes distance between us and our fellow humans. The Disney Pixar movie, Brave, don't know how many of you have seen it, might seem to be about a courageous Scottish princess named Merida. But actually that movie, if you watch it, again, it's about the relationship of this young woman, Merida, with her mother. Queen Eleanor. It's all about the mother-daughter relationship and the tension that that those are sometimes fraught with. Eleanor trains Merida to become a poised and proper queen like herself, but Merida has other plans. She just wants to ride her horse and explore the, the Scottish countryside and use the bow and arrow that was gifted to her by her father. And there's one tense scene when... The the tension in the relationship sort of bubbles over and Merida in a fit of frustration and rage takes a sword and she cuts the family tapestry right between the the sewn likeness of her and her mother. And you can hear the pain in her mother's gasps and you can see the pain on her mother's face as she slices right between that, that fabric separating herself from her mother. And that is an image of what sin does to our relationship with God and to our relationship with others. Sin splits the fabric right down the middle of that communion that we were intended to share from the very beginning with not only God, but with fellow human beings. And because of sin, it's all damaged and it's all disrupted and it's ripped and it's torn. Just like that family tapestry in that movie. So what's the remedy? What's the solution? To the loneliness? To the separation? To the estrangement? To the sin that's at the root of it all? Well, in a word, atonement. That's the solution. That's God's remedy. Atonement. That's our one word for today. We are reaching, we are getting very close. And I don't know whether this is good news or bad for you, but we're getting close to the end of our one-word series. We've been learning about many words from the Scriptures that pertain to our faith throughout this year. And we've been not only hearing sermons about those words, we've been reading, and today's word is atonement. And you'll be hopefully reading about this word in your devotional book from Monday to Friday this week. Atonement. Now that might sound to you, it sounds to a lot of people, maybe especially those who are outside the faith, but probably also to some Christians. This is a heavy word. This is an academic sounding word. Um, It is a churchy word, you know, that we only hear when we get together with other Christians and maybe we don't quite understand what it means. And maybe it also sounds very complex, like, if we were to talk about atonement, it would take a while and it would require a lot of study and, and, and um, trying to grasp difficult uh, concepts and it would take a lot of time. But really, if we're talking about the root of this word, it's actually quite simple. You see, there was an old English word that has fallen out of use, it's not even in our dictionaries anymore. One meant that was a word. Back in the day, one meant, And this word is one meant with an at attached to the front to signify our new status, our new relationship with God and with other saved believers. To signify the communion that we can once again share with God. And so the original pronunciation for this word was not atonement, it was at one meant. See how they just sort of shoved those words together to signify this very important reality pertaining to our relationship with God. Some people believe it was William Tyndall who was one of the earliest to translate the Bible into English who coined this phrase to begin with in order to translate a handful of words, both from the Old Testament and the New, into English. Atonement eventually became atonement. And this is God's answer to the problem that we face, that problem of estrangement and separation from God. And our at one with God and others is accomplished, as you know, by His gracious work through Jesus Christ. Take Ephesians chapter 2. Why don't you grab a Bible and go with me to Ephesians chapter 2. Just I want you to see a few things in this text. I read earlier from Ephesians chapter 2 at verse 12. When Paul talks about the separation and the alienation and being strangers to the promises of God. He paints a very bleak, godless, hopeless picture of humanity that is entangled in sin. But now, look at what he does starting in verse 13. He says, but now in Christ Jesus, Christ Jesus is the agent, the, the, the means by which we can regain our lost relationship with God, the means by which... The gap is closed and the the separation is is removed. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near. And that's a picture of atonement. Or should we say atonement. You were at a great distance. You were far off. But now through Jesus, you've been brought near. And as we just scan through the rest of of the verses going through verse 18, we see that this reality not only affects our relationship with God, but our relationship with others. With others who confess faith in Christ and who are baptized believers. We get words like peace. I see it one, two, three, four times. Peace with God. Peace with others. We see the word one several times. You are now one. You're not distant. You're not separated into into different groups. You're one. I see also, we're going to look at this word uh, in short order, reconcile. There's another one. Another word to help sort of describe this reality. So we go, according to Paul, from separation to peace. From alienation with God's people to oneness. And we arrive in verse 19. Check this out. So then... You are no longer strangers and aliens. You are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. One with God, one with others, through the work of Jesus Christ. Your loneliness, your separation, your estrangement is over now through Christ. And then in the text that was read for us at the top of the hour, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, at verse 19, Paul says, In Christ, God was reconciling the world to Himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. And here we get this word. Reconciliation. And we see here that God removes this separation that exists between us and Him. By rooting out its very source. We talked about sin is the reason that we experience separation. So sin's got to be dealt with, and God deals with it. He, He doesn't count our trespasses against us because of the work of the cross. What happened at the cross? Through the cross, our sins are not counted against us by God. And so all of this that I have just described, this is atonement. It's not all that complicated is it this is what it's about this is at one this is god's remedy for that old ache that sense that we are all alone in the universe that feeling that we've had where we feel like we're outside looking in this is god's solution to that So take heart, that old feeling of looking in from the outside, it will eventually go away for good. I know that even though we're baptized believers, we still deal with it on occasion, but know beyond a shadow of a doubt that it will eventually pass away permanently. That old ache that persists here in this life, because we still live in a broken world, it will pass away. Indeed, it is already passing away there was a tv show that went off the air a few years ago called parenthood and there was a couple on that show who had a son named max who at eight years old was diagnosed with asperger's uh, which is a form of autism and this was a blow to this family and max's parents had trouble dealing with the reality of it as we would expect them to and they had some friends to encourage them, you know, go to a support group, get to know some other parents who, were, who are going through this, whose kids also have Asperger's or uh, have autism. But they, they resisted for a while until Max's mother decided that she would just go give one a try, a support group. And we can tell as she's sitting around the circle with other parents whose kids have autism that her defenses are up. She's not comfortable here. She's not ready to be open and honest with the people in this circle. But then another mom in the circle begins to talk about her experience with her child who has autism. And the camera slowly pans pans in on Max's mother's face. And we see her defenses are starting to melt away. And the tears are flowing down her cheeks. And there's no dialogue in this scene because you don't need any. In that moment, her face says it all. Her face says, okay, now I know that I'm not alone. Now I know that I'm not the only one living this story. Now I know that somebody else feels the same way that I do. For that moment, at least that moment, she's not alone. You know, we all experience those fleeting moments of belonging. Like we belong. But it seems like as quickly as they come, they they float away. Or those passing experiences of unconditional love. Those glimpses of communion and being a part of something special. Flashes like that in this life will be continuous and unceasing and never-ending in the life to come. Have you ever thought about that? The best moments of this life where you where you feel like, I wish I could bottle this up. I wish I could remember how this feels forever. I wish I could remember what it meant for for that person to say that or, or for what it meant to, to feel that person hug me or kiss me or... Uh, say those kind words. I, I, I wish that I could always remember this moment forevermore, but you can't. I mean, it, it, it just zips away as quick as it came. Moments like that define reality in the new heaven and earth. Moments like that are, are what we will experience in an endless way in the life to come after Jesus returns. And by the way, in the meantime, the church... Us, fellow believers, we are called to supply a preview of that life to come in the way that we interact with one another, in our fellowship with one another. We've been reconciled to one another. We've been talking about this. It's not just about becoming one with God, it's about our relationship with one another being healed by the work of Jesus on the cross. And so, God wants us to help ease the loneliness of our brothers. And sisters. As Paul says in Romans chapter 12, we are to love one another with brotherly affection, with the kind of familial love that you can only find in the church. That's what we've been called to do, to give people a glimpse of what life is going to be like after Jesus returns. Like that support group that I just mentioned from that TV show, we are to help fellow believers get a taste of fellowship through Christ. We're called to provide that. The experience of belonging that we all have been made to experience can only be yours if you accept the atonement that God offers through Jesus Christ. To reject Him is to live in estrangement forever. And so it would be foolish to not let Him today remove your sin and mend the tapestry of your relationship. And if you have not confessed that Jesus Christ is Lord, if you've not been baptized for the forgiveness of your sins, then you are separated from God. There is distance in your relationship. There is estrangement. And you will experience that forevermore if you decide to continue to resist that gracious offer that He extends to all of us, that offer of communion and fellowship, not just with Him, but with fellow believers. You see, you weren't made to live in estrangement. Why would you want to live in a way that runs against the grain of of how you were created? Why would you want to go on operating uh, in a, a less than ideal way? In this life and in the life to come, you weren't created for distance, for loneliness, for estrangement, for separation from God and and fellow believers. You were made to live in communion with God. The only way you can fulfill your greatest potential is by accepting the salvation and the atonement that comes through the gift of Jesus Christ. And that is the, the invitation that's on the table this morning. And it's not my invitation. It's God's invitation. And He's eager for you to accept it. He's begging you, please come and allow me to dwell in relationship with you forevermore. Why do you hinder? Why do you wait? Why do you put it off? Don't wait till next Sunday or don't wait until tomorrow. Don't even wait another minute. Now is your opportunity To come and be put right with God. Be made one with Christ. Or maybe you're struggling today. You need the prayers of this congregation. Maybe your relationship with God has gotten to the point. It needs to be. You need to start over. You need to be restored. You need to start afresh. A walk with Jesus. If that's your desire. If you have any spiritual needs today. We invite you to come right now. As we stand and sing.